You're listening to the Market Leaders Podcast, brought to you by Pipeline Plus. Professional service firms use Pipeline Plus to capture more business from their most important clients, prospects, and referral sources. Pipeline Plus delivers the simplest interface in the marketplace and in-app suggestions on exactly which actions to take to close the next deal. It's used as a standalone app in conjunction with business development coaching or as a CRM companion for more effective sales pipeline management. To learn more or schedule a demo, visit pipelineplus.com. Hello, and welcome back to the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert, and today our guest is Roy Sexton, the president of the Legal Marketing Association and the director of marketing at Clark Hill. Roy, great to be with you. Well, it's great to be here. You know you and Kevin are among my favorite human beings on the planet, so thanks for having me. That's right. Kevin is here as well, and uh, we're delighted to chat with you a little bit about your role as a professional and also as a volunteer at LMA. In fact, this is going to be part one of a two-part where we also talk to Kevin Heyerdell, who is our incoming president. By the time this episode is published, he will probably already uh, be in the seat. So this will I be hope a nice. So. This will be a nice <laughs> retrospective on your term and a look ahead to his. So why don't we just start with a little bit of background from you? Tell us about sure. yourself. Um, I was born an only child in Indiana. Uh -huh. How far back uh -huh. do you want me to go? Um, no, I am. You know, I have had a lot of good luck in my life serendipity has brought me to some lovely spots and you know i i started you know as, a, as an english and theater major we've had this conversation david and i didn't really have a plan for my life i'm still working on that and ended up at deloitte consulting for a while was in a healthcare system for about a decade got my mba after getting a master's in theater because i realized that master in theater was not going to pay the bills and uh at that point ended up with some marketing responsibilities, had tired of healthcare and said, I want to try something new through my resume out there and ended up at a law firm. And that's how I discovered the Legal Marketing Association. And I think at that late state of my life, I was nearly 40, quite frankly. Um, I'd found a family and a profession and a calling uh, and really felt like I could make a difference in the lives of the attorneys I support. I think I have a kinship for the way they think and approach life and i really love that moment and i think you you all can relate to this too when that attorney finds their voice and they know what their individual brand is in the larger scheme of their firm and they're really humming along i'm like you know it's that kind of rex harrison moment in my fair lady problematic musical as it is you're like aha by george i think they've got it so I, I like that about this profession and and knowing that the legal marketing association and the friends i made there gave me such a framework I wanted to, it feels like a cliche to say give back. You know, there's some selfishness to it too. I, I wanted the recognition of having a voice and representing my community in the LGBTQ space um, and the geek space um, and the theater space. So, you know, it has all come together in a really lovely way. And this year, you know, I joke, I'm an introvert, so I couldn't wait for this year to be over so I could get my life back. But it really is truly the honor of my professional and personal life that I've gotten to be the international president this year. Well, it's been a joy having you at the helm. I'd like to talk to you a little bit about the impact that you came to the role looking to make, and then we can talk a little bit about whether that was made. But when you yeah. arrived to the role, what was the what was on your mind in terms of where you'd like to take the organization? 
Yeah, and I will should preface this. My only child introvert tendencies are I don't ever really like to tell anybody what my plans are in case they don't work out. I like to kind of figure out things on my own, uh-huh. which isn't necessarily what one needs to do in a role like this. You want to be collaborative and, and build community. So that challenged, I think, me being more forthcoming about what I wanted. I did get a lot of questions in January. What are your goals? And I'm like, I don't know, not to have any drama and uh, to make people feel better about who they are and to feel like a community again. We obviously had some quantitative goals and other pieces like that, and we worked steadily on those. But I will say that culture piece was crucial to me. I've been on the board now. This is my fourth year in the international board. I'd been on the Midwest Regional Board a couple of times, had volunteered with strategies, the publication that Legal Marketing Association has and a few other uh, co-chaired quick start one year at annual conference, done different things like that. But my observation through the pandemic and my first year on the international board was the first year of the pandemic. So I didn't get, I don't know what a normal year looks like as an international board member. I still don't. That first year, Jill Hughes was president, and we had to retool everything. Uh, everybody yeah. did, obviously. And what I saw happening during the three years before I was international president was the community was still there, but it was becoming more fragmented. I think the pandemic put all of us in survival mode in our respective organizations. I think that was also true in the components of the Legal Marketing Association. If you're a regional leader, you had to figure out how to keep your region going. If you were a local steering committee member, you were trying to keep that going. If you were a shared interest group committee, if you were, any, you know, whatever the, the entity within LMA was, and we were doing the best we could with the resources we had. We are leaning into webinars and Zooms and cock, virtual cocktail parties. All of it was fine, but we were pulling further and further away from each other. And I think I noticed this about myself, even in my personal life, you became a little protective about what resources you did have and what you tried to build during that time. So it was a, an observation I had last fall that the us versus them thing that we always have a little bit in the Legal Marketing Association, I will note when you become an international board member, suddenly you're the them. You're not sure why you were the us. Uh, suddenly you, you must know everything and all this stuff and what's the agenda and what's HQ up to. I mean, this is human nature. And you realize there isn't any there there. I don't know what people are worried about. And I'm still learning acronyms that I should have known at the beginning of this year uh, in December. But it was important for me to break down all those barriers and remind people we are a community, that we love each other, that being together either in person or virtually is important. And really, my biggest goal was to have as big an act of celebration as I could all 12 months about everything everybody did in-house service provider. If you remember the Legal Marketing Association, I was proud of you. And that was deeply felt. It was not performative. And I'd like to think this year was a defibrillator on that part of our culture that people remembered getting together was valuable being in person meant something. And if you couldn't be in person, you were still connecting via those ways we'd learned so in such a difficult way the past few years. That was that was my big goal. I just wanted people to remember this was fun, that we are professionals, that we can amplify each other's work and voices. And in doing so, we amplify ourselves. It's interesting because a lot of the objectives that you list are intangible, cultural, perhaps. They are uh, the things that we feel, they're very difficult for us to put numbers to, very difficult for us to um, measure, but celebrating the, celebrating the profession 
and uh, reconnecting with one another and amplifying one another. This is part of that cohesive fabric that makes the organization strong. Uh, I admire that that was ultimately the impact you wanted to make. And uh, from my perspective, I cer it certainly feels different being a member of this organization now than it did a year ago. Thank you. What What's your reflection? Do you also see evidence of that impact? Yeah. Um. And before I go there, I want to make a, one other point. The other thing I think that was a bit fragmented and I want to thank you for the work you've done in our our diversity, equity, and inclusion, and in particular our member um, groups therein. You've been a champion of those. I did feel prior to this year, well-being was a separate workflow. Diversity, equity, and inclusion was a separate workflow. Advocacy was a separate workflow. Those are three things that per are particularly important to me. So I wanted them woven together. I see advocacy maybe a little different than other people. I do see it as celebrating the work of our people as publicly as we can, because we often hear we are, you know, the upstairs downstairs situation. We are all marketers. The weird part of this association is everybody's a marketer. If we were the plumbers association, the service providers to do the marketing might be out in the hallway and we'd all be fine with it. We are all marketers of one form or another. I'm marketing attorneys. David's marketing pipeline plus. We're all selling something. So knowing that unites us, we really should celebrate every bit of that and knowing how hard the work is, being attuned to what it means for our well-being, our sense of self-worth, and those of us who do come from marginalized communities, I don't like that word, but I don't know a better one, um, because I have felt that way in my life, we deserve to be there and seen as human beings who have unique voices. So that was that was crucial to me. So to your point about how do I feel looking back, I'm my own worst enemy. I think of the things that I said that I wish I'd said differently, the couple times I might have lost my temper that I wish I hadn't, the the metrics we didn't achieve. We didn't achieve our membership goal. We didn't achieve our financial goal. I'm always going to feel like I fell down there. But I do feel probably for the first time in my life, because I hate watching myself on camera. I hate watching performances after that. I just don't like it. This is the first time in my life I do feel truly good that I made a difference. Um, just by dint of my strange personality and letting myself be my truest self. I'm grateful for my firm for supporting me and all this. You know, other firms might say, what are you doing? You're on a drag. You're with a drag queen up on stage with you. You're posting all this stuff on social media. What does this mean for us? I didn't get any of that from Clark Hill. They said, we're proud of you. We're proud of what you're doing for your profession. That gave me strength. My husband gave me strength to be my truest self. And I'm, I hate saying it aloud. I do think that rubbed off. I think, I think I've seen a different kind of behavior online in a positive way. I've seen a different way of people supporting each other, and they were already pretty darn supportive. And so if some of that rubbed off and people are a little kinder with each other and I'll show each other a little more grace and realize mistakes can be made and they're good, they're learning, it's evolution. I've I've made things better in this community. I think so. Well, let's look at some of the methods that you used because your presidency certainly stands out in my mind 
as being unique. And of course, so much of that is because the way that you chose to express yourself uh, was also unique. I mean, you referenced the drag queens on stage at the national conference and you referenced social media. You know, I just I can't think of any other presidents, let alone members who, uh, you know, sort of show up the way you show up. And I notice and admire that there was no, at least to my mind, editing of self. I know for myself, there's a lot of code switching that goes on, right? I am this way in my personal life. I am that way in my professional life. I'm this way with my team, but I'm that way with my clients. And a lot of sort of trying to read the room and figure out exactly what's going to work and, you know, not being too precious about, well, this is me and I have to be this way. You know, I got to be me, right? It's like, I, I'm actually not that way so much. I, I try to be a little more accommodating to the situation. Uh, sometimes that works, sometimes that doesn't. So I was really fascinated to uh, observe how you showed up, how you played the the year, and how authentically Roy it all was. I'm curious how much of that was intentional, uh, aligned with this notion of, uh, you know, really changing the way LMA feels and having us maybe reconnect with each other in a more authentic, vulnerable way. Yeah. And how much of it was just, nah, man, I got one gear and I was in it. <laughs> uh, I've become a fan this year of many things can be true at once. Mm. All of that is true. Yes, there was some design to it. Um, there was some intention to it. There was a lot of testing. Uh, I was scared to death minutes before I went out on stage wearing this jacket to sing Born This Way and then bring out Athena Dion. It felt like the right call. But as I was about to do it, I heard all the the voices in my head going, what were you doing? What were you thinking? That's not who we are. Yeah. And then it happened and the response occurred and that became a, a kind of drug for, again, lack of a better metaphor. And I thought, OK, this is going to work. Yeah. Um, and for those of you who weren't there, it yeah. was it was a moment. I mean, everybody was on their feet, dancing, cheering you know, crying. I mean, people were just so moved by uh, what you brought forward and the, the energy that swept the room. Thank you. And I did hear after the fact people both sort of publicly out and not that they felt safe, finally, that something like that happened. And Rob Cates had a, a grip who was from Florida. And I've told the story a few times, I don't need to belabor it, but I'd had people give me a hard time that we were going to be in Florida. And I was like, what am I supposed to do? We've got contracts. I can't just pull out of Florida. Sure. Uh, so how do we make the most of where we are? And this group came up to me and said, you don't know what it's like to live here. And she was lesbian. And she said, you doing that, people coming here and making a statement in a place where we don't feel safe makes us have courage. And I thought, Phew, okay. So um, to your original question about how much of it was just me being me and how much of it was maybe taking on a challenge and challenging the community it was both i'm lucky that i had the parents i had they always really let me be myself in the weirdest ways possible and i say weird i celebrate the word weird but they also taught me discipline and hard work and you don't just be weird for weird sake you have the you have the goods to back it up yeah which is a really hard life to live because you're you're always trying for the straight A's and trying to get the scholarships and not missing a trick and being pre more prepared than other people, because then you have the freedom to show up in a rainbow jacket. You know, if I hadn't been doing the work of presidency and governance behind the scenes, 
it would have been a fool's errand to get up there and sing Born This Way. It would have been completely self-indulgent. But because I was taking care of the work, the volunteers, you know, the the president-elect year is where you do most of your, your hardest work. Big secret. You're planning your annual conference committee. You're planning who are your co-chairs for different things. So I took all that very seriously. Every time I got a homework assignment, I got it done because that, that gave me the latitude to play and have fun. I would say the other thing that, and I don't say this disparagingly of anyone, I got a lot of advice last year from well-meaning people. And what I would suggest to people is stop doing that. If someone asks for your advice, give it. Otherwise, do not tell them what they should wear when they're president or how they should speak. Or you do know that a lot of people are looking at you and how you behave is how people will see our industry, which is this kind of shaming way of going, so be good. And I know that was not what was intended. I got feedback about don't share things from service providers because they're sponsors and some people aren't sponsors and people will say that's not fair and you're the president, you're you're putting your thumb on the scale of something. I'm like, all of it, my personality, it's like, well, hold my beer. I am going to share everything. Service providers are equal members. We're all selling something. They're doing good work. Our HQ staff can't be curators of all this stuff, but I could. I could use social media aggressively and share and celebrate as much as I could because I also don't want to have to go to everything. So it allows me on scale to reach people pretty big. <laughs> um, it wasn't grammatically correct. I don't care. Uh, and also then doing the silly stuff, the the playlists through the year that were music pieces of music I loved that were just striking me at the time. I set the first playlist up last year for Leaders Conference, and it was just for some pre, pre-show pre music, and people liked it. And I'm like, well, I'm going to do one of these for annual conference. Oh, people want a copy of that. I'm doing one after annual conference. I just want to do one about women. I just want to do one about Halloween. Um, and every little step, you know, I, I also get advice that you communicate with our Hall of Fame this way and our past presidents this way. And our re- I just sent out one message a month to leaders altogether. I said, you're all leaders, whether you're a current leader or past leader, here's what's going on. Here's an article I liked. I'm grateful you're here. I did my monthly messages to the association going, here's what I'm thinking. Sometimes it was about the, the nobody really cares about the gears of the association. They don't care who's on what committee, whatever they care about each other. And so I tried to use those monthly messages as a way to lift them up and say this cool thing happened. And maybe I didn't mention every region. Other people said, if you mention one, you have to mention all. I've never liked that advice. If I do for one, I have to do for everyone. No, you don't. You you have to at least touch everybody in some way in the way that works for you. And so that's what I tried to do all year. And as it sort of kept going and gathered momentum, I just stuck with it. And as I stuck with it, I became more and more authentically myself. And I felt very comfortable showing up in an electric blue suit and singing a show tune, whether someone didn't want, want whether they asked me to or not. And they always were happy that I did it. Whatever the version of that is for the individuals watching this, make that yours. You will find more people respond to you being yourself than you trying to be something that you think is in their head. It's like, don't play the guess a number game with your own personality. People yeah. just want to know you, but then do the hard work behind the scenes and 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 everything will work out fine and, and people will gravitate toward you just being yourself. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because president, more than any other, I would think, is a role where you really, well, where one might really feel the pressure to do and say the right thing all the time. And certainly, you know, you're under a spotlight. So when you do or say something that doesn't resonate with the audience, you find out quick. 
and more than any other role, you're going to have critics. So let's spend a minute talking about that. You know, we're in an industry that is pretty conservative. We are ultimately people whose those of us who work inside of law firms, our employers are critical thinkers. They themselves tend to be pretty conservative in the way that they conduct themselves. They have high expectations of themselves and the people who they employ. And so it's very easy for us to adopt that as a persona, right, as a way that we walk through life. And uh, so I know that there were critics this year that felt that you just weren't being very legal or very legal marketing in the way that you um, you conducted uh, yourself and in the way that you communicated on social media, what have you. And so I'm just curious, you know, you 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 shared a little bit about your response to that, which was just, yeah, yeah well, I'm going to do it anyway. But how did you navigate the fact that ultimately, as an ambassador for the entire membership, there has to be some uh, effort to try to bring everyone together? Like you said, this was the year of reconnection. This was the year of cohesion. This was the year of it's got to feel better to be part of Mm -hmm. LMA. We've got to feel like a unit. So on the one hand, what you did, which is, hey, I'm Roy Sexton, and if you don't like it, that's your problem. Uh, is inspiring because everyone is fill in the blank, their own name. And Mm -hmm. yes, there's this opportunity to step forward and shine. But also there is uh, a polarization in that uh, position, right? And I'm sure you saw some of the fallout of that from members who are more conservative and would have preferred that, you know, uh, they had a more traditional uh, president or things were following precedent. So I'm just curious, you know, what your sort of approach was to that so that you could fulfill on the mission, retain your autonomy, retain your voice, not be edited or censored by that. But at the same time, you know, have this sense of cohesion and unity in a diverse community. So there were a number of different tactics. Data was a big piece of that. Also being responsive and attentive to the questions that were coming in that came to the point of operational effectiveness. If they were for style, I always say don't manage people for style. And I can tell when someone's trying to manage me for style. But if you're if we're talking about the operations and the function, I'm all over that all day long. And I, I stayed open to feedback. I think anytime, and I really, maybe they, people were just afraid to bring it. I didn't get that much overt criticism. It doesn't mean people weren't talking about me. I sort of feel like if they're not talking about you, you're dead. Sure. Uh, very little. I got a couple little things here and there. Much of it came actually the year before. I remember I, I dressed up like Elvis to help celebrate the Las Vegas conference for Brenda and a well-meaning volunteer let her know that she didn't think that was very appropriate. And I thought, OK, that's a cue to <laughs> wait for it. Um, I also think it's important. My theater training has been very helpful. And I'll come back to the data piece in a minute and the governance side. If a couple of people are irritated, but everyone else is enjoying it, you're probably doing something right. That's right. If you worry about the couple people, I'm not sure their motivations are pure or they just feel you're doing something they would like to do that they're not comfortable enough doing yet. And that is a gay man I also learned. There are a lot of people that always tell me as a kid, I don't like the way you're speaking or I don't like your shoes or whatever. And as a teenager, that really gets you. But when you're an adult, you're like, okay, you don't like this because, you know, I always thought it was annoying when someone's they're making fun of you because they're really jealous or they like you and that really i think there's some truth in that i think there's an element of you're doing something i didn't know how to do so i need you to stop that Mm. so i let that be a bit of the wind in my sails took some risks uh like i said i'm lucky that i had a platform like i do with my husband and my work 
I didn't, if, if those were shifting and they were uncomfortable, that would have thrown me. Um, but I think the other piece of it is I don't, I wasn't playing to, I honor those who came before and I wanted to build on what they'd done, but I wasn't playing to that audience. I was playing to the next generation, the new folks, the people who I remember being, I think it helped me that I've only been in this profession 10 years. It's weird. I'm 50, but I've only been in the profession about 10 years and I got into this role. So I wasn't hung up on what had happened 20 years ago or 15 years ago. I barely know that. I was more interested in knowing what I felt like as a 40-year-old being kind of a baby marketer, but also a seasoned marketer going, why is everything being questioned the way it is? So I know what it's like to be 20-something and a new person in this profession, not sure because you're not sure of yourself yet. And you're hearing all this input from everybody else that may or may not help you find your true voice. So those are the people I was trying to reach. And I think I did. So if people who have been around a long time, but I didn't hear that. I mean, Maggie Watkins, God love her. I'll call her out by name. If there was anybody who was going to have a hard time with what I was doing, she was going to be the one. And she loved it. And then, by the way, told me she had a marching band the year she was president. But, you know, she's and I say this because she would be honest and direct with me. And I love that about her. And if I was doing something, I remember her leaning over at one conference. and She said, Roy, LMA presidents don't dance. And I thought, mm, again, hold my beer. But she was she celebrated everything I did. So there were those people that could have been very uncomfortable. Despina Cartson. I mean, there are people that have been in this profession a long time who would reach out to me. Deb Ferone, Jennifer Manton. Uh, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to name drop, but these are people who are like, we like what you're doing. So when I was hearing that, I'm also smart enough to calibrate. If I'm feeling like something is not resonating, I'm going to pull back. That's the theater training. But back to the data piece, it is a business that we're running. But I think you have to people understand I'm not representing the legal industry. I'm representing an association of marketers. This is different. And and I think a lot of presidents get stuck in, well, here's how I market my law firm. I must treat the association the same way. I benefit. I've been in nonprofits. I did fundraising for a while. I know associations work differently. So you have to use a different set of muscles. So what I'm doing and how I'm behaving as an LMA president is not, I wouldn't go out. I probably could, but I wouldn't go out like this for my firm. And I can wear that hat. But I can wear this hat because this is an association of people who are creative, who are sometimes frustrated and need a voice to celebrate them. So I keep belaboring that point, not getting to the other things that, that I know I want to address. Data was crucial last fall, and it was to some controversy. We centralized the administrator function in the regions, and they didn't like it. And that was a great thing Brenda Plowman did, and she didn't get a lot of uh, plaudits for that. I benefited from it. Every president's going to benefit, just like the U.S. president. Somebody, what they laid before, you know, Kevin will benefit from things and John will benefit from things Kevin does. Um, that centralization, that admin function allowed us data finally to see exactly what the regions, what was happening, what was going on with their events, or were they successful, were they not? And we didn't use that in a punitive way. That allowed us to engineer things in real time to say what's not working what is we made staff changes we made adjustments to process we had an open door to regional presidents who were very agnostic about this new role and but i loved my admin and, and we don't hear any of that anymore they really we made some changes they really like the support they're getting ashley stenger stepped in she then ended up step into the ceo role she's done that flawlessly and they feel loved and supported so whenever we met on a monthly basis the first months a lot of criticism by September, October, a lot less. 
but we made sure you keep your you keep your head in the game and you take care of the business that's there and you let these volunteer leaders don't have to be doing this stuff. They choose to. I need to wrap them in my arms and say, thank you. Now, here's what the data is showing us. And what you did was great, but I bet the next time we do it, we could refine it this way. What do you think? But you need it so we'd have a dashboard. The last half of the year, we had a dashboard up every month of all the regional conferences. They Regional presidents never got to see how each conference was com performing comparatively because people were like, well, if they know, they're going to be jealous because they get more budget and they get less. Well, some regions have more members, so they're going to have a bigger budget. Again, the facts will set you free. Just be open and share. This is how we got where we got. Doesn't mean we're set in stone. We can change it. So I think that transparency and using data, things will get smoother and smoother. Kevin already is bringing in some wonderful sort of operational and strategic level thinking that I think is going to take that to the next level. So that's a that's an example of the kind of thing that we were doing. Um, and I, I just I would end with there was I could not communicate enough. I, I was always if someone reached out to me and they had a concern. If it was a rare negative thing, I jumped on it right away. I didn't sit on it. I didn't wait on it. I didn't play a game. I just said, oh, I'm sorry. That sucks. Let's see if we can fix it. We couldn't fix it, but we'll try next time. Or we did. How will this work? So I took that very seriously. And I think the two levels operating, yes, the fun, that if that's all you were paying attention to, you missed that there was a lot of hard work happening behind the scenes. To Again, the theater training. I'm not just going to show up opening night and know all the songs and all the routines. I got to do the rehearsals. I got to put the work in. I got to get ready behind the scenes. And that served me well here. Thanks for that. We're almost out of time. So I want to wrap on this final question. And you started to answer this in some of your earlier comments. You know, this has been obviously a challenging year in some ways. It's it's wonderful to hear the endorsement that you receive from so many of the pillars in our community. It's wonderful to see that the feedback by the you know third, fourth quarter was really overwhelmingly positive in terms of the impact that was made. I think if we surveyed everyone a year ago and asked them, how does it feel to be an LMA? And then we surveyed them this year, a lot of them would tell a much more positive story. Thanks. Uh, and hopefully that has inspired some who might not have considered leadership whether it's in LMA or elsewhere in so. their lives I hope so. uh, by by just following your example. So what would you say to those people, people who are considering involvement or even leadership in a volunteer organization? What would be a message that you'd want to leave them with? Just try something, uh, you know, don't have your cap so set on a vision of leadership that you never take any jump at all. In my early days, yes, I attended annual conference and watched Alicia Suter, and I was like, I want to do that someday. But I didn't. I also thought, well, that probably won't ever happen. So I got involved at, at a at a level that was manageable to me. I got involved with the social media SIG, uh, mostly because I thought Nancy Merlin and Gail Marsh and Heather Morse and Lindsey Griffiths and Gail, uh, uh, Gina Rubel were fun. <laughs> Lord Toledo. Yes. I'm like, I want to hang out with them. Right. Uh, but that was my that was that got me in. And as I learned more about the association through them, saw other opportunities. I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's time to try for the Midwest board. You know, I want to be in the strategies. There's no. You don't have to do any of this. But if it will fulfill you in some way because it connects you with other people, it gives you some bona fides. It your your law firms, if you're in a law firm, they're going to look on this and say, wow, those people validate you. We want more of you here. So there is a there's a professional benefit to this. It satisfies the ego a little bit, but it also teaches you skills 
in terms of this is the most resilient. I was laughing with Renee Branson the other day. I said, I hate the word resilient because it's usually used in a way that's like, you'd be more resilient. Suck it up. But it, it, it you, you learn to go, I know how to, I can, this is a crisis. This could be a crisis, but if I handle this just right and communicate properly, it won't be. That benefits my firm. They see it. And something happened yesterday that I was Roy of four years ago, his hair would have been on fire and would have been dealing with it, but in a way that was more, you know, a lot more energy expended in the wrong direction. And this, I was like, we're going to do this, do this, this. Okay, handled. So my firm is benefiting from the learning lab I've been in. And I guess I would leave you with this, whether it's LMA or I'm on the Mosaic Youth Theater Board of Detroit, I've been on the Ronald McDonald House Theater, uh, Ronald McDonald House Charities Board, I've been on other boards. Use it as a learning lab. Again, you don't have to be an A-plus student the first day you show up as a board member. You're going to learn a new set of skills. You're not, it's not an employment model. There's not, you can't be, you, you, you can't just tell people what to do. You have to learn to be collaborative in different ways. You have to learn to take on responsibility that other people aren't taking on. And in doing that, it stretches your skills that do benefit your day job. So use it as an opportunity to learn. And the, the final point I'd make on that, if you do want to take that plunge, find a mentor, find somebody that you admire and approach them because it means the world to that person. I, David and I would say all day long, nothing gratifies us more than some, and I can say young person because I got my AARP card the other day, some young person coming up and saying, could you tell me how you did what you did? Could you talk to me a couple times a month. I'd love to bring some of my issues to you. Yeah, people did that for me. I will do that for other people. So find that. So if you're starting to volunteer and you see somebody, you're like, I like the way they do X. It's like fashion. You like the way someone wears a certain set of clothing. Walk up to them and go, how do you do that? Would you mind teaching me? And you will grow. And and what you accomplish will become less relevant to you than the person you become in the process. It's such a dichotomy, Roy, when someone is observing a leader, they see an achieved person, an accomplished person, they see competence, they see mastery, or they have a criticism about, you know, how it's being done. But there's definitely a, oh, you're up there, you have this role, you're doing great things. I'm where I am, and I'm observing that, right? Mm -hmm. And the irony is, when you talk about how you've tackled this and and even from day one, what it felt like to you, it was an exercise in leaning in. Like you said, just try something. And mm -hmm. the implication there is you're going to get it wrong, right? You're mm -hmm. just trying it. You're experimenting. Like you said, it's a lab. So yeah. you're up there, you're getting it wrong every day. And yet to the rest of the world, you're the guy with that role. You're the one right. who's being looked up to. You're the one who's being admired. And so this false notion can sometimes occur in the mind of the person who's watching the leader that, yeah. oh, I have to wait until I can be perfect like that in order to step into that role. And the mm -hmm. uh, the flaw in that thinking is simple, simply that perfect doesn't exist anywhere in the occasion in, in mm -hmm. the equation. It's not in the actions or the thoughts of the leader. And it's never going to be this preparation that one can get themselves to in order to mm -hmm. step into that, right? There is only the uh, leap of faith, whether it's yeah. uh, in the day-to-day -day as the leader or as the uh, leap from a follower to leader. And you have to be fluid. Uh, you remember the old Reese's ads where the chocolate falls in the peanut butter and they're like, oh. you know, I had ideas. No, 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 about... Ron, sorry. It's the peanut butter that falls into the chocolate. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, but as you, 
you you might have an idea what you want to do, but then be fluid enough to avail yourself in the moment. I, I remember the old Carol Burnett show again. Those are showing us a certain age. Some of the best moments were when they would break character, but then they would make something of it. Some of the yeah. best times on theater, I had a set fall down literally around me and the audience is like, and I said, well, we're really bringing down the house. And they all laughed and they said, well, it was so good. You know, make the moment. And so I'll come back to the drag queen situation. A year ago, I came up to Lisa Kamen and I said, I don't know why I want to come out and sing Born This Way. And she laughed. She's a marketing person at HQ. And she goes, are you going to come out in an egg? I said, no. All I knew is I wanted to sing that song. Completely self-indulgent. Like to sing. David, you like to sing. It, it's it's something that I like to do because it cuts down on my nerves. I sing yeah. and people are like, what the hell's happening up there at 830 in the morning? And then they're like, OK, <laughs> we'll listen to whatever else he's going to say. Well, then a month or two prior, and I, I alluded to this, suddenly everyone hates every, sorry people are really having a hard time with with gay people in florida and their governor and people are giving me a hard time about being there and i'm like and i'd already said i kind of want to have a drag queen i don't know why people think they don't realize that drag in miami is it's one of the hotbeds of where drag really began uh sure. and became a, a an art, art a artistic piece of artistic expression i just knew i wanted and i didn't know why well suddenly they converged and i said i know what do you mind, do you think Athena would, because I'd already had a conversation with her, she was going to come to the party and just kind of entertain. And I said, do you think she'd be willing to show up at 8.30 in the morning and come out on stage with me? And I know drag queens at 8.30 in the morning. It's not easy because they have to get ready for like four hours. Uh, and they said, well, let's talk about through. It just, it happened. I had a, I had a challenge. I'm in a state. I, I didn't know five months earlier that there would be that much press about Florida and what a challenge they were going through. I knew I wanted to sing. I knew I wanted a drag queen. And like three weeks before, I said, ah, let's bring all that together. Yeah. And I guess my point with that is, and it still was a big swing and a risk and it landed. And I want to be my one claim to fame is that I brought a drag queen up on stage. But to me, it's a, it's a good example of if you're a leader, you're in the moment. You know you want to deliver a message. You're not quite sure how. Don't be so wedded to your script that you miss what's happening around you, that you can bring it into together in such a way that has a larger impact than you would have been able to do. And I think the final point I would make on this is as an only child, and it probably took me to September to figure this out. I still felt like I was very isolated and it was all on me. I had a panic attack at annual conference because I right at the end it was all over and I had a panic attack because I'm like, I can't do, I have to do it all. Everything's got to be good. It's got to be perfect. If it's not, I'm going to hear all these people that don't like this, that, the other thing. By September, I finally realized it's not all on me. And we, we know this, we go through leadership courses. It's about the team. It's about empowering other people. And I was doing this, trying to empower everybody, but still isolating myself going, well, I'm going to take it. and I finally said to people on the board and other people, when they have an idea, I don't know, go do it versus I'll go figure it out and I'll come back and I'll give you I'm like great and it, that made all the difference and people were that much happier I that took me to September to figure out so this was a learning lab for me too and as long as I had that mindset of it doesn't have to be perfect it just has it has to connect that seemed to serve me okay well, I'm glad that that served you. I appreciate your service to us as an organization this year and definitely your willingness to share your reflections with the audience today. So thanks, Roy Sexton. Uh, yours will be a term that I certainly never forget uh, as much as I'm looking forward to Kevin Iredell's and talking to him yeah. about his intentions for this coming year. I know you're wrapping, but I'm going to make a quick note on Kevin. I 
I've said this in a few different places. I, I think it bears repeating. Kevin is such a caring person and he has a very different style than I do. He he appears more reserved. He's very witty and got a silly streak there. I, I outed you on that, Kevin. But he also he's he's an economist by training. He has he has been in-house, he has been a service provider, he has been an entrepreneur, he has worn all the hats. And what I've learned from him the last several months, because it was important to me to early on in this year to go, Kevin, you're you're gonna have this very soon. You need to be part of these conversations sooner rather than later. And he's benefited me a great deal. Yes, I do things like this, but he's been the one to say, not just what are we doing, but why are we doing it? What's the business benefit for this? And he's already got wonderful perspectives on how we can further streamline, add value, uh, build on this engagement, but in a way that doesn't burn our, our volunteer leaders out. And I just, that's what you've got to be open to yourself as a leader as well. Let the other leaders in. They're going to have their moments too. And then others are going to have their moments. And taken together, it's a wonderful experience for for everyone as part of the association. So I'm very proud of Kevin. And I know he's going to do a great job. I can't wait to see his piece. One final, final thing. You're like, Roy, I got to end this. I had a theater director say to me once, it's not about the laugh lines you get, Roy. It's about how the ensemble hangs together. The mm-hmm. audience wants an entire show. You are not in competition with other actors on the stage for more laughs. Actors that don't succeed are the ones who are just out there trying to get all the attention from the audience. Those that are successful build the ensemble behind the scenes. And I hope that we've moved to an ensemble way of thinking in, in LMA and our leadership structure. So thanks for that, Roy. I look forward to hearing what Kevin has to say about you in the next episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I may take well, it all back. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. No, I doubt it. I, I share your respect for him, and I'm just really eager for this. Uh, it's it, it is such a juxtaposed set of styles, but the consistent fun. through line is that you both bring a yeah. tremendous uh, quality of character and intelligence to the role. So it's going to be great to see. All right. Well, that uh, wraps up this episode. Roy Sexton, thanks a lot again for joining us. Kevin Martin, thanks for being here as well. And we'll look forward to uh, our next episode of the Market Leaders Podcast. Today's episode was brought to you by Pipeline Plus. We solve business development problems for professionals around the world. Visit PipelinePlus.com to learn more about our technology and coaching solutions.